There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 102 with the lovely Jane Kennedy. You can find Jane on Twitter at Jane underscore L underscore Kennedy. I will uh, tell you a little bit more about her in a moment. If you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, This is the show that I do, and I do it every week, and there's 101 other episodes to explore. Thank you so much for being here. If you want this show to come out, just arrive in your phone every week. Just subscribe, okay? So um, the phone or laptop or whatever your phone, you're probably listening to this on the phone. Um, In the podcast app that you're listening to, just hit subscribe, and uh, I'll show up in your phone uh, on a Sunday in the US uh, and Europe and on a Monday in in Australia. On a Monday in Australia, Monday in Europe. I've got it upside down. Anyway, my mailing list, I've moved the sign up for the mailing list. It's on the Facebook page now. So just search me on Facebook and you'll see a sign up link. Just click that and Bob Giovanni's living lover. Folks, it's happened. It's finally happened. I've done it. We've done it. I have a sponsor. Yes, indeed. I told you about this a few weeks back. I told you that while I love to make this show, that it does take work research, travel, hosting costs, the time to produce the audio, they all all take me time. And by bringing sponsors on board, it will only help make this show better. And technically, since I'm no longer shooting The Bachelor, (laughs) technically, since I'm no longer shooting The Bachelor, I'm not getting paid right now. (laughs) And I've got a mortgage to pay just like you. So I'm trying to pay the bills. We all have them. So I'd like you to give a very warm welcome to my first ever sponsor, The Iconic. If you're in Australia, you already know who they are. This country's leading online clothing store. We use them here at our place. Um, So just before I went to Splendor in the Grass this year, um, I saw the forecast. I saw it was going to be muddy. I thought, yeah, 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 I'll get gumboots. I'll get gumboots. I'll get gumboots. 
came time to get gumboots, I went to the hardware store down the road, no gumboots. They said, try the other one over in Alexandria. Went over there, no gumboots. They said, try. I went to four different hardware stores looking for gumboots. Audrey, my girlfriend, on the other hand, the day before, the day before had gone on to the Iconic and gone, oh, these look nice. Bloomf. Bought them. Boom. They turn up the next day. Um, so she's the clever one. Uh, so anyway, so after that, I uh, approached those guys and I thought, you know, do you want to work together? You guys have a pretty great product. Um, we use it. Um, and they, 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 they said yes. Um, the Iconic stock over 700 top brands, over 50,000 products are on their website. In Sydney, they offer an incredible three-hour delivery, which is mind-blowing, and same-day shipping in Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Sydney, overnight delivery to New Zealand, and free returns for 100 days. Now, I met with these people. They're good people. They like the show. They want to support the show. So please show your support to them. It's warming up here in Australia. If you're like me, you pulled out last summer's shorts, realizing that you're treading dangerously close to dad wear um, without how out of fashion my shorts are. Um, so yeah, you probably need some new stuff for summer. You shop at the iconic anyway, you go there anyway. So if you shop there anyway, if you want to support this show, it doesn't cost you any more money. Just go to the slash Osher, O-S-H-E-R. Enter the offer code you see on that page at checkout and you'll get 10% off full price styles with any purchase over 99 bucks. You're probably in the market for some sweet new spring things to get into with the warmer weather anyway. So why go to the shopping mall and deal with terrible parking lots and all that malarkey? Um, you can shop from your phone, shop from your laptop. You can shop while you're listening to this. How great is that? Support the people that support this show. They've got the latest spring styles at your fingertips, theiconic.com.au slash osher. Enter the offer code at checkout that you see there on the page for 10% off full price styles with any purchase over 99 bucks. Enjoy your beautiful new spring clothes. If you buy stuff, uh, let me know. Send me an email, send osher email at gmail.com and I will tell everybody what you bought. It's that easy. Um, okay. Doesn't cost you any more to shop there. They kick back a few bucks to me uh, for helping out. So there you go. Our first sponsor. All right. Thank you. I love you. How are you? I'm kind of okay. I'm kind of okay. It's been a week of ups and downs. Done some really satisfying work. I always find that really helps. Um, some great podcast interviews and some good meetings training's going well. We've had um, incredible ratings. Um, but on the other side, there's some really heavy, heavy stuff still going on um, in my life. I might tell you about it a bit later, but I'm very lucky to have the support of my girlfriend this week because we don't, we don't do this alone. We're social animals. We like to think that isolation is what's going to help. No, it's all going to be fine if I just stay in my room. It's all going to be fine if I don't wash the telly. It's all going to be fine. It's, all gonna be fine. it's never fine. It just gets worse. It makes it much worse. So, um, I gave my girlfriend a big hug and she started crying. You know, there's heavy shit going on. It's always weird when something heavy is going on and she cries and I don't cry because what's very strange is my emotions tend to tend to run away. I, have, I can have the smallest thing happen. Like in The Bachelor the other night, I cried twice. I cried twice. I cried when um, Heather's, when Eve and Snajana had a big hug and when Warwick said, you don't have to be blood to be family. I wept. All right. So when small things happen, I cry. But when big things happen, it's like it all shuts off and I kind of go into observation mode. It's really confounding to people around me because they're like, you should be really kind of falling in a heap right now. I'm like, yeah, well, it'll come later. It does come later. It comes way later. Like the cry that I had 
when I watched Toy Story 3 and Woody and Buzz held hands in the incinerator is probably the cry I saved up from something a few years ago, you know? Um, but I'm on a plane tomorrow. So by the time you'll hear this, I'll be in LA. So I'll probably cry on the plane. If you're next to me, I'm sorry if I start crying, but I've been known to turn to jelly on planes, usually watching a movie, especially if it's Toy Story 3. Anyway, <laughs> I hope you're well and wonderful. Um, like I said, I'm really enjoying work. Bachelor's great. I saw the best tweet the other night. Someone said, finally, the Bachelor is on. Instead of my television bringing me all that's wrong in the world, I can switch off for an hour and pretend it's not there. I guess that amount of switching off is okay. And I'm just, it just made my day that I was able to be a part, a small part of something that allows that escape for just that hour on a Wednesday and Thursday. I'm really grateful. But I was very surprised to find out that my guest today is a big fan of the show, which is a bit intense for me because I've been a fan of hers since the moment I saw her on television. My guest today is actor, author, writer, casting director, producer, comedian, mother of five and founding member of Working Dog, Jane Kennedy. You can find her on Twitter at Jane underscore L underscore Kennedy. Jane is a part of my country, Australia's pretty much most successful independent film and television production companies of all time. All right. The, the credit list is bonkers. Uh, Degeneration, The Late Show, Frontline, movies like The Castle and The Dish, TV, like The Panel, Drama, like The Hollow Man, Utopia, um, Comedy, Thank God You're Here. Right now on Monday nights, have you been paying attention? The list just goes on and on and on. These guys have made all of those shows. And Jane's a, a part of that group. Jane is such an incredibly accomplished person. And I couldn't be more thrilled when she said yes to come and chat with me. We talk about a lot. We talk about her career path, what it's like to be a mother of five, what it's like to talk to her kids about porn. We talk about all of it. On that, um, we do get quite graphic in this show. So if uh, the talk about porn and what goes on in porn and why certain things in porn are the way they are, um, if that kind of thing makes your toes curly, just flick forward a minute or two. Uh, also, there's a trigger warning in this one. Um, she and I discuss uh, sexual abuse for a few minutes as well. So just skip forward about three or five minutes. Um, when you start hearing us talk about that, you'll come out fresh as a daisy on the other side. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this time of your day with me, whatever it is you're doing today. I hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation with one of my country's finest, Jane Kennedy. Um, I'm rolling now. Hi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I feel like I'm in Hollywood, quite frankly. Well, right it's, now. it's. I feel like I'm in your hometown. Well, no, no, no. My hometown's now Bronte. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, hey. moved, I moved back. That's the Hollywood of Australia. It's, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know about that. Considering, considering the amount of television production that goes on in Melbourne and film production, I'd say Melbourne's far more Hollywood oh, than right. Sydney. There's, there's a lot of things, though, that are based um, like at a house, for example, so, or a mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot of studio stuff. Here? Yeah. Aren't there a big Universal Studios down here somewhere? Mm. Soundstage? We've got soundstages, but they're not. They're not used a lot, I don't think. There's mm. so much location stuff done here. Mm. So Well it could be it doubles Melbourne can double for every part of Australia. Well, yeah. I, I think that's why. Yes, and that's possibly right. around that's the true. world as well. It can. Which is like I remember when in the eighties 
um, Brisbane made huge news that we mm. were going to um, be the location for the reboot of Mission Impossible television show. Yes, I remember that. And Roma Street Station was apparently the, a railway in the Czech oh, really? Republic. And my father, who grew up in Prague, took one look at it and went, that's Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> Good try, guys. Yeah, well, you know. So we are, can you, for folks who aren't from Melbourne, can mm. you tell them where we are? Okay, um, well, we're actually in the suburb called South Yarra, which is a pretty groovy, cool suburb in Melbourne. It's got great shopping, um, restaurants. It's kind of buzzy, a bit hip. And uh, there's a great hotel called the Olsen Hotel. And I've been into rooms at the Olsen, but not like this, because yeah. Osh has got the flipping penthouse from hell. They call, as I checked in, in my flannel and my <laughs> Aboriginal Australian flag shirt, <laughs> I said, the guy went, oh, oh you've, you've been upgraded. Oh I said, oh, really? I didn't ask for that. And he goes, you're in the presidential suite. <laughs> How did that happen? He said, well, I guess someone in the booking team likes you. That is, well, why wouldn't they? I, I, I said, well, if any presidents show up, I'll be more than happy to vacate it. <laughs> it's really, really incredible. It's a gobsmacking view um, and the fit out's incredible and there's a pool that, you can swim against the tide yeah. just by yourself. You and know, it's one got, of those fancy things. It's the John Olsen Hotel. It's the Olsen Hotel, mm. which is part of the art hotel. So the artist John Olsen, there's sculptures and artwork <laughs> and tapestry. It's blown my mind. There's got to be a million bucks worth of art in here. More. Easy. More, easy. I reckon. And there's just, I like it too. I said, oh, this is where the couch becomes, um, the sofa becomes a bed. And in fact, if you have hired help, then you can just block them in there's here. A, and there's, there's a, a sliding very solid door. soundproof room that you can slide across and that's where the help are. The first time I learned about the rooms for the help was, yes, was yes. a long time ago. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, I think Virtuosity was the name of the Russell Crowe uh, mm, film. That he yes, did with yes, Denzel. I remember that. And the premiere in Brisbane, we ended up back in his hotel room. <laughs> was, I was 24. Yeah. Anyway. Impressionable. And we're at the Treasury <laughs> Hotel then it was called, I don't know what it's called now, Ridges or something. It's right on the river top left penthouse and we walk in. I said, wow, I've never been in a hotel mm. ever. And I'm like, oh, my God, this place is bigger than my whole apartment. Was, was it a penthouse for Rusty? Just completely. Wow, okay. And I said, wow, this room's amazing. He goes, oh, no, no, that's for the help. And Get then we out. walk in. <laughs> and that's the first time I was like, oh, oh. oh people have helpers. The, yeah, well, he had he had a man. I think it's the same man. He had. Oh, the man with the gun? No, 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 oh, just the man. Oh, the man, okay. the, the, the fixer. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But I, when you get to... Russell's. I think I've met the man over the years. Yeah, would have. At different um, events and things. Yeah, but you need and you need someone because you can't be when you're that guy when you're right. when you're Russell. You can't walk hundred meters without everybody wanting to stop you. Right. You need someone to go. Look, I'm real sorry, but the president of Burundi's waiting, <laughs> or whatever. You know, right, right. someone's got to be the bad guy. Someone's got to. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of probably nut jobs out there. Who, yeah. You know. And I think his I think his man has some <laughs> skills in dealing in, in dealing well, with that. Russell's not here. No. Um but And we had a lovely conversation in that hotel room that night. I just want to point that out. And yes. it started a friendship that I'm very happy to still continue well, to that's this good, day. Yes. No, very, very nice. I've, he's a lovely, lovely man. I've known man. him for a long time too. He's, he's a, a lovely man. He's boy. a truly lovely man. Yep. People I think want to say horrible things about him because it's we're Australia and how dare you be successful. Yeah, there is there is that, isn't there? <laughs> it's really full it's on that. It's kind of shitty. Although, gosh, I mean, we we love Hugh, don't we? We're very um, we're very encouraging, and also he's a really nice bloke. He, he really is. 
No, they both are. Yep. They both, and then in, when you watch Les Mis and the two of them are in the same scene oh, yeah, that's and they're singing at each other, <laughs> both of them weeping, when do you get to see grown men weep on camera? Well, to Australian men weep yes. on camera. <laughs> yes. It was a that's, beautiful, Well, beautiful, New Zealand, Australia. Yeah, hey, it was a beautiful thing. moment. It was a beautiful moment. So is this far from where you grew up, this part of the world? Yes. Well, I didn't grow up around here. No, this is quite posh. Um, I grew up in just a normal daggy suburb in Melbourne called Baldwin. Uh-huh. Really, nothing happens there ever. It, they don't even have a pub. It's the only dry, they call it the only dry suburb in Melbourne where you actually, there's no pub, There's no, you can't go in and say I have a beer. There's a bottle shop but nothing else. Yeah, and there is a lot of yeah. suburban pub here. There is a lot of just pub on the corner. Here. Yes, pub on the corner mentality. But um, no, really kind of uneventful, boring, uh, dare I say, happy childhood. Red brick, that kind of suburb? Um, weatherboard, uh, yes. But it was eventually two stories, mm-hmm. well. white, you know, Post World War Two, materials were hard to find. Very well, it was very American looking, and uh, that suited me and my sister because we're obsessed with America and American television yeah. and everything to do with it. And how did that manifest? How early did um, that manifest? My dad used to work for Ford Motor Company, and when we were very little, we actually travelled overseas and lived in the states for a while. What? Which part? Detroit. In Detroit. Yeah. yeah. When it was actually a town. It was and the, the c- town, I think. Center of the biggest industry in America. Yeah. yeah. Mum had a Capri. Oh, no, a Mustang to drive at the time, red. And she was like, you know, 30, looked hot, had great outfits. dressed what, so like a 71, 72, something yep, like that? Yeah, was 71. Yeah. Mm. And we discovered the amazing things like um, they looked like a supermarket but it was a toy shop. <laughs> you know, everything was on a huge scale. So as a, as a kid, yeah, I just was dreamt of living in America. Anyway, the chance came for Dad to move to the States. This is hilarious. Mum said, no, Ray, I think we should live in Melbourne because I don't, I don't want the girls marrying American boys because they'll go and live in America and I'll never see them again. Fair. So she's thinking that when we're seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so no, I moved to South Yarra when I was in my 20s. Oh, right. Yeah, got a flat. Nice. Yeah. But So how long were you in America? Oh, I was only about a year at that stage uh-huh. sort of yeah, travelling. Uh, right. But you were, in, you were in Dearborn. You were. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. great. Amazing. Absolutely. A, my brother works for the Ford Motor Company right really? now. Yeah, in Shanghai. Wow. wow. Um, but he was working here in Melbourne for a while. Oh. Yeah, he created his own career in the auto industry. He's a very, very smart boy. But he told me to read that a book, American Icon, about Alan Mullally, the man that saved oh, Ford. Oh, yes, yes. Astonishing book. Oh, no, I know. My dad, my dad did PR for Ford. Wow. And that was his job. And then for Ford Asia Pacific, he yeah. traveled to Asia. Um, he was actually away for about nine months of a year. Oh, that must have been really that's tough. That's really bad, yeah. Yeah. How was that? I don't, I don't remember it being terrible. Um, and there's only two, you know, there was my sister and I. Mm. I think now because I've got five kids, that would be really terrible. Yeah. But I just think we lived a pretty, you know, we didn't have as much stuff to do as kids do today. We kind of hung at home or I went to a girlfriend's house on the weekend. wasn't much to do. I really sound like I'm in the old days. But. No, but honestly, I do, I do absolutely believe this because I, I worry about how many things are not going to get created because people are just so freaking bored they I have to do something. That is absolutely 1 billion percent true. And one example of that is music. And one of the things that bothers me about music today and the way kids listen to it is that they just have it on their iPhone, their iPod, and they have headphones in. No one puts on a record 
or a CD in a room and turns it up loud and listens to it and not listens to the whole album. Everyone just picks the hit song. Yeah. And there's something where that was really important to me growing up was that feeling of just blasting a sound, blasting and listening to a whole album, knowing all the words, not watching a film clip or something like that. And I just see these kids. You can waste a whole weekend on a computer. It's incredibly uncreative. On the other hand, what did my 11-year-old son want one Christmas present? A green screen. Oh, my God. Mm. So he's a green screen in his bedroom and they make, you know, action films and <laughs> with his iPhone. That That is, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so you and your sister, you're, mm. you're in the suburbs of Melbourne. Did mm. you go to the school around the corner? Oh, yeah, the Catholic Girls' Convent School up the road for Boy, 13 years. What was that like? It was fine. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah? So no dad at home, no boys at school. Oh, no, no, I was not interested in boys at all. was repelled by them. Why? I just thought, no, they're just not not for me at this stage. Don't worry, I bloomed later on. <laughs> my sister didn't share my <laughs> point of view either. But I had a lot of um, mates. But it, it frightened me to have to think about having a relationship when I was at school. I just thought, oh, my God, yeah. it's too grown up. I just want to be a kid. Were you able to be a kid for a while? Because yes. now I'm, I live with an 11-year-old girl, my oh, girlfriend's wow. daughter, yep, yep. and I look at her and, and I'm like, the pressure upon her yeah. to not be a child yes. is immense. It's, and it's I look at this kid and I'm like, you're three years away from oh. – being a woman and you'll never, ever, ever get to be this innocent no. and small and not caring again and yet, yeah, I know I'm sounding like an old man now but you're... No, but it's something to be concerned about because and social media is 100% to blame for everything. Um, you just, I just look through and my kids are really good. They let me just look at their Instagram accounts and, and we laugh about it. I say, wow, that girl's, what the hell is she wearing to that? 13th birthday party and and we have a bit of a laugh about it I go yikes I expect to be fully gray (laughs) I'm fairly gray but I expect to be fully gray within it within a year and a half but it's everything it's um you know I saw a movie with my son and it was the Kingsman oh my god we we put that on the other night as well thinking it was going to be okay it was not okay it's not is it it is not okay whoever rated (laughs) that M has got on it as good talking to them I think that's really outrageous. And I saw it just with Josh and we looked at each other. There's a look, not oh, a spoiler alert, I'm not even going to tell you, but it's some really... Don't watch this film, but there's a part at the kids. end where he's running past a, a jail cell and he sees this cute chick inside and she says, if you save the world, we can do it in the arse. And he in goes... Fact, I think she says, you can fuck me up the arse. That's right. Yeah, it's really that full And on. he goes from a, a, <laughs> a simple walk to a sprint. Yes. And, in fact, I think it ends with a close-up of her bottom. Of him running his hand. Mm. Uh, it's a shot of mm. a bottom of her laying down on the bed yeah. uh, face down and you see his hand run up the side of her <laughs> ass and, and grab her by the ribs. Like anal sex is not well, the prize for saving the world. No. No. But it is in this film. Goodness gracious. Otherwise it's a great film. But, you know, talk about an awkward moment with your 12-year-old son. However, no, it wasn't too bad. Watching everyone's heads explode was also a little <laughs> tricky. Oh, yes, I don't mind that. I thought that was quite clever the way. I found it refreshing to do something interesting with an action film and humorously I like that. So I had to say to my son walking out, I go, you know, 
women don't love that. You know, it's that world. You just go, he goes, wow, is this the time we're going to have the talk? I go, see, you never know when talks like this. Here it is. But my parents never (laughs) spoke to me about sex, ever, ever. How did you learn about it? Um, Chicks at school. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So in the pre-internet age, there might have been some made-up information there. Sure, which I'm happy with. Now I don't want my kids to learn about sex from porn. Absolutely. So I it's really made my friends and I as parents, wow, we just gotta be mature about it. You just gotta talk about things all the time. And talk about everything anyway. Just get your kids talking. Yeah. So we have a very chatty house. <laughs> have they watched Cindy Gallup's Make Love Not Porn TED Talk? Uh no. Um, I think, though, my I've got a 14-year-old daughter. Um, I think that's going to be screened this year. And it's then. only like six minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And there's no... No, no, it's, I've heard that it's... It's exceptional. Yeah. It's only... It's like she walked up out of the crowd. She, like, turned up at the TED Talk. And just said, I've got this. Yeah. Great. Yeah. They, as a part of the TED Talk, they had, you know, what are you pitching today? Yeah. And she gave them gave her six minutes, and it's incredible. I've, I've interviewed her in her apartment in New York. It's about twice the size of this place. Wow. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> But I heard on... Uh, Mia Friedman's show the other day, mm. uh, she interviewed Madison Messina, who's a, a quite a high-profile porn star, sex educator right. in this country, and she she tech she talked Mia through the uh, prevalence of anal sex in in porn now, and the way she explained it was that visually it's far more uh, interesting to look at on camera because when it's Oh, yes, okay. Penis in vagina. Right. You don't really see the vagina. Right. And when it's penis in anus, wow. you get the full visual of the female genitals. So it's for aesthetic reasons that yeah. we have that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Isn't that interesting? Didn't really expect that I'd be talking about you with anal no, sex at quarter to I. ten in the morning. Honestly, but here but, we are. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm hip to it all. <laughs> so when... It is. I mean, I remember learning about, um, you know, the most ridiculously made up stuff about sex education when I was, I, I'm, and we'll talk about this later, but yep. I'm two of four boys. Okay, right. So we'll talk okay. about this later. Sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm getting worried. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like, at, and I went to an all boys school. So I remember some of the stuff I heard was just like, most of my parents are doctors, right? And so right. we had the very clinical. Oh, I can, yes. Yeah, we so had fallopian tubes, that. we had everything in our talk. I would have wanted that, to be honest. And I remember hearing guys at school and thinking, <laughs> babies are made when you rub tummies. <laughs> yeah, right. I, did, I distinctly heard that. And I remember, and I've talked about this before, but my mum, uh, when she moved up, we moved up from Adelaide to Brisbane, mm. um, uh, she was an anesthetist qualified as a GP. Mm. And she did family medicine out in Inala, which at the time was, I guess, the Frankston, mm. of a very, very low socioeconomic, okay. high indigenous population. Single v- mum. Tough, and... tough, mm. struggle street, battler town. And I remember she came home one day just ghostly. I said, what's wrong? She said, I had to tell a 14-year-old girl why she was six <gasps> months pregnant today. Oh, my God. She had no idea wow. how it happened. See, I cringe though when I just find out the I had to take one of the kids' broken arm or something, and I went to the Royal Children's Hospital. And while I was waiting there, boy, that's an interesting thing—the ER at the children at the hospital. Uh, yeah, that's where you see everything. There. Yeah, I saw probably a four, 13, 14 year old girl come in with a sick baby, and she she was said, "I don't know what what's wrong." Um, 
and the baby was limp. It was just horrendous. And the doctors were quickly talking to her and, she, and they said, has she been drinking? They said, oh, no, she's had, um, I think it's diarrhoea for about two days and hasn't had any water. I was just like, wow. Wow. But, you know, it's really, nu- I mean, the, the world is so nutty at the moment. Mm. But it always was. It always was. We've always been pushing the envelope of what's acceptable. Don't, don't you think now, though, with why is there so many creepy people around? Why is there so many? I put it to you that there's always been so many creepy people. They just haven't had the access before before to the material. But if or they you what if you have a what if you have a predisposition to being a creepy person today? It's like press that button because the access is there. Mm. It's you know. Actually, I heard it's, it's a, a full on topic of conversation but I heard about a psychologist who is treating um how do I put this I think pedophile is an ill-defined word it is someone who derives sexual pleasure from Mm -hmm. uh sexualized images of of children but hasn't it's not the act right okay Okay. hasn't seen it through yes so he sees people who are men in Mm. their early 20s who are like I have this yep. and I know it's really, really, really wrong. Right. But I am turned on by this. Right. Please help me. Yes, yes. Because I, I, I it well, disgusts me. Well, thank God there's people it disgusts that me recognise that ha- it. It disgusts me that I have it. Yeah. Please help me. And the treatments that he's trying to do with these these men is really. Wow. That's. It, I mean, that is a hard slog. How scary would that be out. to be that turning up as a college's office going, hey, so this is happening. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. Uh, but this is in my sexuality. Yeah, uh, you know, it's full on, man. Like it's a it's a difficult it, subject to talk about. It is well, it is, and and yet uh, it appears that it's not that uncommon. No, and and further to your point of like why there's so many creepy people around, I think mm. the, you know, I think the other misinformation about that is that it's the stranger that's going to fiddle yes. with your kids. Ninety something percent of it is someone the kid already yep. knows. Yeah, so. The idea that's sold to us of, you know, stranger danger and can't let your kids walk home from school and all that business. It's so, actually, it's quite false. Look, there's a a fantastic clip I actually showed all the kids the other day um, as a show called What Would You Do? It's an American show. Wow. Um, They got an actress who was 17 and an actor who was in his 40s and the premise is they were to sit in a crowded cafe and she was to meet this guy's to walk in and he was going to be the 17-year-old boy that she's been online. Ah, uh, yeah. And he rocks up and she says, Brian? And he says, yeah, is that uh, you, Gemma? And she said, uh, sorry, you're 17. He goes, oh, look, you know, I just said that. We got on fine, didn't we? You know, this is great. They start talking. And the show actually has cameras set up everywhere in a van out the front is showing the customers overhearing this conversation and it's the reaction of the people uh, and what would they do. As the conversation continues, you can see people, women mostly looking really concerned at what's going on. And then he says, anyway, I think we should get out of here. Come and jump in my car. I'm going to go to the bathroom first. When he leaves to go to the bathroom and they show about three or four examples of this. So they just repeated it through the day. Yeah. yeah. Pe- women jump up to this guy and go, what are you doing? Do not get in the car with that guy. Yeah. You don't know him. She said, no, he seems okay. You know, we talked on the, uh, we've, you know, been Boy. talking to each other. Do not do it. And these women start panicking and shaking. And then the sting finished and they said, okay, this was not real. But ah. shows what 
I've seen another very, very powerful version of that mm. where it's two actors and it's a, a, a man and a woman about late 20s and she has – it's British. She has him. She's screaming at him up against the fence going, you fucking – what the fuck are you doing looking at that girl? How dare you look at that girl? da 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 you yeah. fucking ah, – fuck you. And it shows people walking by yeah. going, ha, ha, ha. Wow. Look at him. Look at him. And then she grabs him around the neck. And goes, oh, how dare you stare at her ass? Her ass is that. And people are going, ha ha, he's busted. Flick around. She's up against the fence. How dare you look at him? What the fuck? Within two seconds, someone's over of there. Of course, my God, that's crazy. And it's it? It, it's like domestic violence, you know. And I've got I've got mates that have had uh, you know domestic violence from female partners, and it's very 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 tough because no one believes it can no, happen. No, no. And mates mates of mine have shot it with black eyes. Wow. Yeah. It's real. It's full on. It is full on. Um, so, so this is where you go. Oh, well, she's a rabbit cooker. You know, that's the. You go. What? No, that's violent. She's fucking yeah, smashing yeah, yeah, someone. Yeah. The only issue is that physiologically, yeah, dudes are generally like really a hundred times more stronger than that. Mm, yes, true. And that's where the. It's it's tricky because the guys know that if they lay a hand on bomb, it's yeah. The legal system goes, well, mm. <laughs> you're wet against hers. It's very tough. Wow, it is very tough. Um, anyway, mm. so Gosh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> this is um, not my normal Monday morning. We've chip. covered a fair bit already. I like it. We're <laughs> twenty minutes like in. Um, <laughs> so high school. Mm. At what was it? The kind of high school where they kind of preach, Jane, you're going to have to go to university. This is what girls from yeah, this school do. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I went to Melbourne Uni and yeah. frigged around for six months and then left. Oh. Mm. What was the course you went into? Arts. Yes. And uh, it, was, it was boring to me. Um, and I, I liked socially. I quite liked it, sort of, mm. though I, I did think I wasn't um, broadening my horizons because I I felt like I knew everyone at uni. It was just all the kids from school had all just gone to right. the same. So I ended up doing a bit of research and I found a course called Media Studies at RMIT. And, um, Which wasn't a university at the time? No, it wasn't a university, still tech. And uh, I aimed to get into that and that was my whom. That's, I really loved that. I, it was making films, making radio shows, yeah. cutting tape, you know, and pasting things yeah, together and all, all that, that real to real. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. And everyone was really different, you Just know. one step back, what was the conversation with your parents about I'm going to quit university? Oh, just they were just, yep, sure. Really? Whatever. Yep. They, I, I think ultimately I knew I wanted to work in showbiz in some way. Yeah. I just had had to work out how that was going to manifest itself and that mm -hmm. there would be different ways that I I didn't know what traditional avenue I would do. That I was in a band, you know, singing and playing guitar and all that. But I What was the band called? Highly strung. Acoustic man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stevie Nicks and Yeah, uh, mandolins? No, double bass. 12 strings? No 12 strings. Okay. Violin, two guitars. Beards. Maybe Dan Warner, who I played with, maybe Dan had a beard at some stage. Um, there you go. Yeah, there was a possibility. Oh, I certainly did. 
Um, it's just huge. So what was it like when you got around to, you got to RMIT and then did you oh, get the, oh, my people. I did because people had piercings in their nose at that time was outrageous yeah. and, and shaved heads and people went to high school, not a convent school. <laughs> you know, it was, it was different and I loved it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, went there and didn't finish the degree because I got a job and someone came in one day and said, we need a radio producer for a radio station. Um, some girl's just been sacked or she fled yeah. in horror. And I went and started in radio. Which station? Year. It was called 3UZ in Melbourne. At, it used to be a very famous talk station. Uh-huh. Bert Newton and Graham Kennedy used to be on it. Oh, it was their station. Yeah. Um, but it was taken over and ended up... Uh, Becoming country and western. So you you were radio producing. Isn't that interesting? Mm. They recruited straight from university. Mm. There's no way that it happened now. No way. Really? No way. Really? That would be poaching from another station. There's no way. Oh you could, yes. There's no yeah, way you could get a job straight like. As the mo- I was the morning producer. What? You <laughs> breakfast radio producer, out of uni. Yep. What did that job entail? <laughs> um, ducking for cover when the guy would throw a book at my head like he was he was in that's why the girl had left before <clears throat> it was actually the morning show and he was a um I won't name him but I mean well you've given us enough information and timeline people no, are going to figure the, it the out the words um lovable rogue spring to mind but he was really volatile and he would throw things around the studio he wasn't throwing things at me but you sort of had to he had a very fiery temper and I used to just have to organise um, special guests to be on his show. And the first, honest to God, the first guest I organised, because it was already booked in, was Paul Hogan. Huh. So I met, honestly, my childhood hero is Paul Hogan. In your first week? Yep. First day. What? Yeah, funny. What was that like? It was unreal. He was unreal. It was Crocodile Dundee he was promoting. Get out. What? And Nolene, his wife, came in as well and I offered them a beer. At and it was, yeah, no. Eight in the morning. Yeah. Did, he, did he say yes? He laughed. He said, oh, better not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Had he been doing all the Foster's ads by then? Yep. Yeah, right. So, fair enough. Yeah. Now, I, think, I, mean, I was trying to be half a smart ass, I think, and saying, yeah. would you like a beer, Hoax? Oh, my God. I would just go, who is that annoying wow. one now? So, yeah, worked there for a few years and, um, and then uh, it didn't take long for me to sort of put my hand up there. Oh, no, I'll do the community service announcements on air. Okay, so you got on the mic. Got on the mic. There you go. And um, soon I got poached. Ah, yeah. To Triple M. So they heard you? Mm-hmm. Lee Simon did, actually, who's a uh, bit of a rock guru here in town. So let me just explain. Triple M Melbourne at the time was like the rock station. Yeah, it was actually Eon FM at the Eon time. Eon FM. So oh, pre, yeah, yeah. pre-Triple M. I think it was called the Eagle in Sydney. Mm, that's right. It was like early, still FM wasn't even 10 years old as a technology. No, and the breakfast show um, in Sydney was, what's his name? It was, it was um, bloody um, yeah. Uncle Doug. Yeah, Doug Mulroy. Yeah, Doug Mulroy. And so we, I was on with the D-Generation. And so um, about three of the guys I still work with today. Yeah. So your first day, you got poached to be the newsreader? Yes. And so this is a time 
you'd been doing carts and stuff like that already at the yes. country station. Yes. So you knew how to pulse carts and how to record carts and all that kind of stuff. Um, I sort of um, avoided doing anything that involved because um, a really lovely guy who used to work at 3Z told me never learn how to work the panel. <laughs> uh, uh. He said because you will be doing midnight to dawn yeah. or you will always be a panellist for someone else. Merrick um, Watts said that. Gosh, really? Yeah, he said exactly that. I, I learned how to use the panel and I became <laughs> the midnight to dawn guy. Yeah. Which, well, it's, it hasn't done you any harm. Yeah, it worked it? out. It worked it's out. It worked but, out. But it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Hamish and Andy still cannot push a button. No, no. And won't. I, I may have said that to Hamish a few years ago. You know, hundred years ago, don't oh no! If you learn, then you're staffed. <laughs> yeah, but that's not quite true, and it's it's um it's kind of misleading information, yeah. to be honest. To be if you've ever been in the studio with Carl Sanderlands, the guy is the greatest panel operator I've ever seen. Oh, I would love to see that ever seen. He I, is. I, it's really amazing. impressive. I love watching. It's like watching someone. It's literally like watching someone play a Rachmaninoff wow. piano piece. Wow. It's that complicated. That's a great it, visual. But it really is. Yeah, I Because this, this board is is about the width of both your arms almost outstretched. It's changed so much now. Yeah. Though. But still, he's got now he's got touch screens. He's yep. got, you know, satellites. He's got faders. He's got social media stuff. He's got da-da-da-da. And he just does it all while he's going, yeah, mate. So anyway, no, I don't care about that stuff. Oh, like, he's just, wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah. He's very, very, very good. So. Yeah. Your first day, so uh, Degeneration were already, they were the full-time brekkie crew or they were doing? Uh, yeah, no, they were full-time breakfast um, doing uh, the breakfast show, yeah. Right, right. So it <clears> wasn't <throat> sketches, it was? No, it was hosting and. Um, wow, that is awesome. Yeah, and um, and then eventually. Because at the time uh, they were like comedy gods well, on, on the TV. they started off really and they were getting there. They were getting a little bit of a so reputation. So they'd, they'd done the ABC special and then, and then got pulled on the radio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember watching the ABC stuff and the now classic Thunderbird sketch. I yes. can never, ever forget it. Wow. Mum was like, going, why are you kids walking around the house like that? <laughs> and we played it because we used to tape everything on this ancient wow. Akai VHS yep. the size of a dryer. Uh, um, like, do you, you must have older brothers then, do you? One older brother. One older brother. Yeah, one older brother. Because that's amazing that you would even remember that stuff. Oh, of course, I have ago. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> I just I have this really incredible... I even remember the, the punchline. Wow. Austria. I thought you said Australia. <laughs> wow. I still remember it. You know, I still remember okay. the gag. And um, wow. we walked around like that for about a month. And it cracked mum up because mum used to make us record the Thunderbirds. We've been watching the Thunderbirds our whole lives. And it, she, so it would, we'd just do it to crack funny. up our mum <laughs> when well, we'd they... get up and out of the chairs. <laughs> but that would be funny seeing all my sons do that. That would make me laugh too. Oh, it's a mum. So... When you turned up, these, these chaps already had a reputation. So on your first day at work, you mm. meet the guy that's going to be the father of your kids. Well, he <laughs> – now, that's interesting. <laughs> he actually, curiously at the time, he was not there because he was doctoring. He was a – he's a doctor. Yes. And he was um, in Albury or somewhere. Uh-huh. So he wasn't actually there initially. But after maybe a few months, he did. So, yes, it was then that I – Amazingly, mesh the potential father of our right. five children. <laughs> right. So, what's your what do you remember about reading news at, at Triple um, M? I remember um, that I wasn't that good at it. I didn't love it. I didn't write it, <laughs> and I felt a, like a big fake. To be honest, uh-huh. I didn't have that drive and hunger to be a hard hitting journo. I honestly just wanted to be in mucking around with the guys. Right. And um, because I was a female, there weren't many chicks in at this 
rock station and they're still not today. No. It's still quite blokey. I was going to say. Um, I was called in for to do extra voices and sketches and <sighs> ended up, well, Jane, why don't you just go in with the guys full time? I went, okay, great. That's what happened. Wow. Mm, so I did Breakfast Radio. With, well, I think we did it. I'd already done Breakfast Radio for about two years at the other station, then about four or five years at Triple M. So, so was it, was, early it was it Breakfast Radio money? Yes. So yeah. you're 25, mm. 26. Well, it was, yeah. For, it was Breakfast Radio Show money. 80s Breakfast Radio <laughs> Show money. Let's but, not forget. Yeah, but remember there was a lot of us. There was one of Doug Mulray and there was, you know, Eight, seven of us. Yeah. But it was enough to um, let me buy a f- flat. Mm. I mean, today, Amazing. wow, this must be <laughs> insane. What was that like every morning? You know, I've, I've got a, a real fascination with circles of people that, that all travel together. I was speaking with Corinne Grant the other day mm. and she told this great story about going on a road trip to do a stand-up show at the Mount Hotham <laughs> with uh, Husey, Will and um, uh, there was one other person – with um, Pete Hellier. Yeah, yeah. They're all in a car together. Yeah. And you look at what these four people, <laughs> they were in each other's pockets. Mm. Uh, no, sorry, Husey, Will and Rove. Yep. They were in each other's pockets for years, pushing each other. Yes. Working with each other, critiquing each other. Mm. And, and because that little tiny group of people exploded out into this yep. enormous amount of thing. And it, it, it must be incredible to get in there every single day with seven people and just go, Okay, that yeah. three hours we did yesterday doesn't count. Yeah. Let's go. It's, it's incredibly organic. Yeah. That is the ma- that's the amazing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So when I see a new show, like a new sketch show will be promoted on telly or something, I but where are those people, who knows each other, where are they from? I think, wow, that could be tricky for that to work. Mm. And so there's longevity and there's commitment. There's a bit of competitiveness that urges each other on. Mm. And, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing when you think back and look at people that you've worked with for so long that you end up, like, oh God, I think I know everyone on Breakfast Radio in Australia at the moment. You know, it's, it's at least one or two of them. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, no, it's great fun. It's great to still work with your mates. Mm. That's that's an inc- that's an incredible, incredible thing. Yeah, to I be used to work to with so. Mick Malloy because I'm doing, I'm now doing something on Triple M Breakfast with Eddie Maguire as well, who I worked with a hundred years ago. So it, you know, you don't want to burn your bridge. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really that's really you know? important. You've got to be nice to everyone. My father always, yeah, my father always told me it translates from Czech into English. Mm. Always make friends with the steps on the ladder because you'll need them on the way back down. I love that. In fact, I prefer that. It I sound, prefer you say it in Czech. It's I don't know how to say it in oh. Czech. My dad does it. It rhymes in Czech. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, but it sounds like. <laughs> but it's not hard to be mates with people in the industry, really. Because you can't be the you know, person that's throwing books at producers now. 
You no, can't. You cannot. You'll never, ever, ever survive. No. And it was from, you know, it was that um, grumpy man generation. Yeah, can't do that now. No. 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 Well, apart from the fact that, you know, it's a much more litigious world. And there were scenarios that I did work in, um, not to do with the guys I work with, but other, uh, let's just say, grumpy old men who did things that no, 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 can't, cannot do today. Because you're like 23, 24, mm. and I remember, very hot. You still are now. <laughs> I don't know about that. I do. But I think I was. <laughs> you no, weren't 13-year-old no, 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 no. me, Jane. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Because I think, oh, actually, because my 13-year-old son uh his dream girl is Kate Upton, so there's a bit of a difference there, but that's okay. But yeah, no, this this yeah. guy, yeah, no, I did things, and I just went mm mm. At yeah. the time, at the time, actually, I told the guys, the the DGen boys I was working with, and so they would take their revenge on people who were, did something bad to me by using their names in sketches. Oh wow! <laughs> mm, just their first name, and we just. Make me feel a bit better. And, oh, mm. wow. Mm. So what, what do you think it does for your ability uh, to, to make funny, be funny, write funny, see funny when you're getting those kind of flight miles up? Um, I, I think because, first of all, you're so up with the news and everything, you know, you're just hungry for. So you're actually... Um, I think of the way to describe it. You could probably go on sale of the century, you know. Your knowledge is so vast and it, it does make you. That'd be who wants to be a millionaire now. It's be a who, quiz who wants show. to be yeah. who wants to be a millionaire, mm. which I'm pretty good at. And the kids say, Mum, you should go on this. Mm. I said, Yeah, somehow I don't. I know, think Eddie, it's not going to work. work. <laughs> People will. Yeah. Kennedy no, Gate. It's not going to work. It'll, yeah, it'll yeah. be on. But no, I think it was a. Um, there's something interesting about being with a bunch of people who are up with everything and, not, you know, it's fun and it's, um, it's political. It's, um, yeah. Uh, don't know. What else? What was, the first, yeah. what was the first inkling that it was going to be something bigger than radio? Uh, I think knowing the intellect of the boys that I work with men they're, they're really smart and that always impressed me and I thought wow I've got a lot to learn from these guys and they were great teachers uh in a writing sense for me as well but I just thought you know I, I love the attitude of dream big nothing to lose and that's what happened all the time mm. and I think when we talked about making a tv show on the ABC we knew that to, to do that and leave radio well Basically, we'll get no wage. It was almost like that. You go from breakfast radio to doing what you love and want without blinking. Everyone said, yes, let's do it. This is it. And that ha it's never been financial motivation ever. And I, it just cannot be for anything you're passionate about. It can't be about money. And that has been very important along the way. And if we ever make had ever made any money at all, we'd love to reinvest it and do something else and that's how we were able to make a film and the osmosis comes from that for different things, you know, other TV shows and whatever. As you were doing those first year or so at the ABC and you're looking at your radio contemporaries making that 80s breakfast radio money, <laughs> did you think, oh, I've done the wrong thing? No. No, we didn't, honestly. Those <clears throat> – we made – the Late Show, 
And I'm not kidding when I say I honestly can't remember that time. It was so full on. It was live. It was packed with sketches. And I think we did 26 episodes a year. We just had no, and I remember having no fear. There is no way I would do half the stuff I would have done back then now. Of course, we didn't have some dick on Twitter saying, oh, that's not funny, oh, go home, she's fat, that's not happening, he's ugly. You don't have that today. So that's why. And we were very actually badly um, critiqued by the main television writers in the country. (laughs) But also I think being at the ABC we were a bit um, infallible because uh, we couldn't be axed for some reason. So we just knew we were just going to be on. Whoever's watching, watching, whatever. But being having that fearlessness, though, that is what drives you, I think, to find that cutting edge stuff. Yes, that drives the next project. That's right. Um, but but that again, also, I just you, you can't take the same risks today that we had the opportunity on commercial radio uh, television. Mm. You can't do that today. Yeah, you'll just get. Well, you can. You just oh, do it. You do it against um, your green screen YouTube that's right. in your bedroom. And, you know, that's all my kids watch is YouTube. Actually, I lie. They watch one show and I swear to God I'm not kidding. It's The Bachelor. (laughs) I am not kidding. That is our family get-together show. Oh, my. In fact, I think I might have taken a photo last year when we were all gathered around the kitchen bench because we, Rob and I sit at the kitchen bench. We've got a TV here on the bench. We sit here. And they all sort of flock like lemmings and they've got um, stools here and everyone knew it was going to be the final was coming up we all had our favorites <laughs> you know my youngest guys are eight twins eight-year-old twins and they were just gunning for you know they had their favorite chicks and we were just captivated because you know I have to say also there's no swearing in your show that's right there is no sex, really. No, there isn't. There's a little bit of a pash, and you don't think that gets big cacks in our house when there's pashing. It's yeah. like all the boys are, oh, wow, awesome. Me, is, who's 14, going, oh, my God, Mum, make them stop. Make them shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, very fun show to work on. And I caught up, I did, um, have you been paying attention last night mm. uh, over there in yeah. the Channel 10 building yes. behind us? And um, Rob, your yeah. husband, Rob, uh, the joy in his eyes when he was asking me about Bachelor. Oh. Do they all live in the house? Yes, they do. Like he was asking me the biggest <laughs> fanboy questions. Yeah. And here I am, I've got to say, here I am, like being quizzed by an excited Mike Moore oh, about a show I work funny. on. I was like, I couldn't believe that Mr. Frontline wow. was asking me about a show I work on. Honestly. Honestly, you do an awesome job. You really do. I've seen a few around the world and they're all like, wow, no, you need ocean, you need the, you need to do them all, man. I think the thing is, the trick is, is that I have to find that really balance between this is very yes, serious for the yes, ladies in the room. Yes, but you really have. It's respectful because what else can you do? These girls are honestly, could you not put your everything on the line more than be a contestant. Yeah, and I've, I honestly 100% absolutely have to tell you they really, really, really fall in love and it's really lovely watching someone, oh, particularly wow. these, and Blake Meyer had a bit of an ups, a bit of an issue, but he yep, got there sure. in the end. Yes, he yes, got there in the he end. did, yes. We've all had those and, moments and in our relationships. through the series, he was 
gallant yep. and a, a nice date yep. and but all that. Watching, watching these men, and I've seen three of them do mm. it now, watching them go on that story arc of I'm the kind of guy that here I am, I'm going to start this off. Yeah. And watching them through the course of the format just have this enormous truth revelation about themselves <gasps> that they must come to to get to the final point. It's it's beautiful to watch I, I'm, men I'm find this moment. I think that's why it's successful and why guys really enjoy the show as well. It's pretty good. I, I, I mean, <laughs> here's a really lovely guy that do, do this. New batch? Sam. Oh, Sam, he's lovely. He's, he's a good fellow. Awesome. Yeah, he's a really good fellow. You'd really like him. I know I would. Yeah, I've you'd... already picked the winner in my head, but I know that it's already been done. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna Bachelorette too. Anything. We've done both. They're all done. Everything's oh, in the fantastic. can. Is that Sam Frost? Yeah. Oh, so good. Watching her. <laughs> oh my God. Watching her with these boys is just because she's had you know what six seven months of being single yes. from South Africa to when we started <laughs> shooting, and she doesn't she's she doesn't. Stay home on Friday and Saturday nights. She gets out there and she sees the world. She's got so much just, she's so fit of just swatting idiots away. Oh, my God. Watching <laughs> watching these boys come at her with their, you know, set move of this always works. She's just like, oh, you got to bring your A game. Oh, it's amazing. Fantastic. It's so much fun. So this is, you know, on an anthropological level. Yes, um, I find it fascinating. It is fascinating. And, and it's great. It just, see, why didn't my parents show me shows like this? So I want my kids to see this and I say, see, this is how it's nice and respectful to be to girls. See how that works? See how girls love it? Mm. It's pretty simple but it's just having manners and all that. Yeah. And it does sink in. They, <laughs> my children have not started dating, by the way. All right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> our little one went on, went on a date the other day. Wow. Yeah, 11 years old. Yeah, wow. she, went on a, she went to the movies. Wow, that's cute though. That's cute. And she, as long as he wasn't forty-one. No, no, no. no. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. He was the boy. He's the boy from the boys' school across the road. Oh yeah, that's yeah. nice. Met him at the candy store. <laughs> and um. Oh my god. This she thought it was going to be something. She thought it was going to be something else. So he invited her. All the other boys were supposed to also ask girls. She rolls up. There's no other girls. So they were all supposed to go to the movies together. And it was like her and five dudes and the other four were just giving the boy crap the whole time. And I was like, she was not having it. Wow. She was not brave of him to ask her, but she was not No, that's it. brave. And, yeah, and she's really, she she's tall and beautiful and lovely and smart. And, uh, yeah, the other boys are just so jealous of this That's it. Guy. That's what it is. Yeah. So how do you protect that? Um, and we were talking before about the innocence and that there's, yeah. look, it, you know, once it's, I'm not talking, I'm saying when it's gone, it's gone. I'm talking about the innocence of, yes. and what you know about life. I try as, I just, I, I am very aware that I'm, I'm, two things. I'm not her dad. I'm never going to sure. try and be yes. her dad. Yep. Two, I just tried every opportunity to, to show through how I ah, treat her mother. Okay. That's this is hmm. what, what you I want you to expect. expect. All right. This mm. sort of affection, this sort of can I help you with that, this sort of let me get that for you, as much as I try. That's because I know I'm on show. I know that I don't want this kid to end up in a therapist's office in 10 <laughs> years, dude. And I, you know, wow, you're nice. I've got to. Yeah. You've got to because mm. that's how they learn. You know, they don't yeah. – anyway. Um, mm. So Sorry, we, we spoke about you, – you were involved. Uh, you, you, so the late show was 
Saturday night yep. sketch. It was the alternative to what at the time was the most, when you look back at it now, really weird, casually racist, very, very <laughs> yes. lowest common denominator mass entertainment television show, which I will not name because I look back at it now, I'm like, I can't believe that made it to air, like blackface sketches and stuff. Okay, was, I'm yeah. with you, yep. All right, you're the alternative to that. And when that, when All you guys right. came along, it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank wow. God. And, but you went from there, this kind of, you know, hardcore week in, week out, sketch, 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 sketch about what's happening today, so relevant that in a month, it, yeah, yep. yeah, that was kind of funny. You know, that's the Who thing about when you do about topical. Now? yeah. You got to just keep churning it out. That's why I've never seen the shows back. Yeah, you can't. It's no. it's not funny again, no. and it's good mm. if it's not funny again. Yeah, if you don't fine. get the, the subtlety of the punchlines, <laughs> it's because it was that relevant at exactly. the at the time. But you went you went from there. Like, where was the first genesis of of Frontline? This you know, there's this kind of incredible single camera, um, uh, really brilliantly shot, oh. quasi documentary. Um, yeah. mockumentary, I don't know what they would call it now, about the makings of a, a nightly current affairs show. It was almost like um, Larry Sanders but yes. for yeah. uh, the the nightly news tabloid media. Okay. Um, I think I, I may have mentioned or I don't know whether it's cut out or not so I don't know what happens with these things but when I talked about we were really up with all the news, we're up with everything and when you're writing sketch comedy you just got to be aware of everything you watch every news show every crap news show every good show yeah and uh, watching a current affair for example which you know um a, a current affair type shows not necessarily a current affair they used to make us laugh i mean the ridiculous foot in the door and the i mean they look everyone looked like an actor but they were real and once the camera's rolling people <laughs> don't mind being explosive and there was checkbook journalism going on and i think we saw something where mike willisey possibly may have been a bit pierced on air and that was pretty funny to us watching that and then there was a really serious thing that happened there was a siege and the gunman actually asked to speak to Mike Willisey I mean what the hell the anchor of the, the anchor of the show. TV show yes and uh you know he's held, held up a couple of kids with a gun in a house and it was televised and fortunately it ended okay but that's when we went, wow, that's really serious now. What's going on? It's ridiculous. And the genesis then came about on yeah. Frontline then. And uh, I think we went around down to the beach. We tried to work out what the format of the show would be like. We worked out what kind of reporters we'd need on the show and what were the most, you know, cliche types. So Brooke Vandenberg emerged as an ambitious, ruthless, bitchy kind of chick. Martin D'Astasio, who was sort of a bit of a funny old drunk who just loved the foot in the door, a real old school journo. And Mike Moore, who we decided to make our host a bit of an airhead. Um, Mike wasn't actually completely stupid, semi-vacuous, but um, so preoccupied with himself and that's what we wanted to show. He was very, very, very smart with his own. Very smart with, with his, his own, own career. everything to do with and himself. How do we yep. get me bigger? Yes. And yes. anything that makes me bigger is he was <laughs> like a scientist. But anything else, he just had no blinkers on. Absolutely no idea. Blinkers on. And oh. it was ex what was wonderful was he was so exploited by the producers because mm. of that. Yes, it was because and and he 
probably knew underneath it all that he was being mm. exploited, but he didn't mind doing it. And of course, we had the hardworking, um, harassed young producer who um, was always torn because she knew morally what she was doing was corrupt and wrong. And yet, I've met a few of them in radio. <laughs> you right. know, you right. meet a few of them in radio who are like, I know. This I know. It's terrible, but we have to get them on the phone, but yeah. we have to do this, but we have to edit this way, we have to do yeah. that. Yeah. So that's how that was that came about. Um what's amazing and and we're going to get ready for this with this chat with you today. Mm. I've wa- I watched a few a oh, few really? clips across the weekend and what's either amazing or frightening <laughs> so much of it still yeah. holds still holds true. Oh, when you hold it up against a uh, current affair these days yep. or uh, the Bolt report on the on 10, 10 network. <laughs> It's, yeah. oh my God, it's the same formula. I'm really thrilled to hear that. I've heard it a little bit said because I think Frontline came out on YouTube recently or something where people have seen a few episodes and they went, that is a bit, and the technology is different that we used, of course. Um, but no, I, I saw the one I'm obsessed with at the moment is the Candyman. You're aware of this dude. He's um, a Sydney um, guy and they call him the Candyman. And he's basically a really bogan Hugh Hefner with just chicks in bikinis and he's on the Gold Coast and a current affair obsessed with him and they they keep trying to do stories. But, you know, if we made this up, people go, well, that's going too far. You wouldn't do that. No, you, you've got to check out the Candyman. Just saying. He, he's the new hero of current affairs TV. So there's uh, – in Melbourne is where they host the uh... – the annual television awards, mm. our version of the Emmys or the mm. BAFTAs, uh, the the Logies. Mm. And it's at Logies after parties in hotel rooms, not unlike this one, oh. and couches not unlike that one, <laughs> that you sit there and someone says, remember that story on Frontline about the this and the that? <laughs> that that actually <laughs> happened. That actually happened and we tipped them off. <laughs> Is that true? Did people in the industry go, call you up on the anonymous tip line and go, okay, so here's a storyline you're never going to believe? To be honest, no. Oh. No. We speculated and we honestly um, thought like producers on these shows. The, The only thing we may have heard about was that somebody may have had a little black book that I think we gave Brooke Vandenberg had a book of of guys that she may have wanted to stomp um, to make her career move forward. That's the only thing we may have heard something about and therefore Brooke, you know, it added to Brooke wanting to bang every guy, you know. I think she started a rumour herself about her and Pat Cash, for example. And the Wimbledon tennis champ. Mm, the woman uh, tem- champ. tennis yeah. champ, um, I don't know. There could have been a golfer involved she was keen on, but, you know. So, but then was it like this? Because it goes back a way now, but Spinal Tap, the Mm. guys that created Spinal Tap, um, Christopher Guest and Michael McCann and Harry Shearer, they just, they improvised that Mm. film, okay? And when they put it out, people like Ronnie James Dio and Ozzy Osbourne, they were furious (laughs) because someone in their crew must have blabbed. Blabbed, right. But... Because no. they were like, you're taking the yeah. piss out of us. That happens. Like, <laughs> actually, we just made it up. Yeah. But it yeah. was so close to the truth. They, they were sure that they were being lampooned. Yes. And I guess this must have happened. It was the same thing, yeah. same deal. Um, but, you know, we this is Final Tap is probably one of our all-time favourite films and one of mine. And we so revered these guys. 
so they did improvise a lot, but we realised we couldn't do that with Frontline because we had an ongoing sort of, we needed the arc of yeah. an episode. Um, but we loved Harry Shearer so much and we just rang him up one day, honestly, and we started to get to know him. Then he ended up coming and he did an episode of Frontline with us. My God. Yeah, and he's become a really lovely long-time friend. Wow. Even, so this yeah. is Harry, goodness, it would have been six or seven years into The Simpsons. Yes, yes. Wow. Even did um, voice messages for us on our working dog as Smithers on our working dog message. <laughs> Hello. So knowing, mm. I don't want you to, mm. all I'll say is I will be surprised how The Simpsons could continue without him. He's re-signed. Get out. He's re-signed. They pulled the checkbook out, I'm sure. Oh but, God. I mean, I get it where he, it's probably not about the money, it's the commitment, Yeah. you know, and um He's still, you know, he's he's so he does radio shows and podcasts himself. He's he was the first internet radio show I ever listened to. There you go, yeah. The show, yes. It was in nineteen ninety five. Yes, six. It was really early on. Took a long time to download because <laughs> I was on a dial up. That's funny. But it was the first internet radio show I ever listened to. Oh look, he's really he's really clever and a really great guy. But so getting back to though to those guys improvising as musicians, they were musicians. Yeah. So they could think like the rockers that they mm. were they being at the time and they, they knew all the riffs, they knew all that, that mm. world, which, you know, I can't get enough of. I'm a rock chick from way back. Right. I bought an amp on Saturday. What kind of guitar are you rocking at the moment? I'm just, just it's just a Fender, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm just determined for my guys. I mean, I dream of having my boy band. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But they'll be hard rockers. So what are your thoughts? Do, l- l- you said it, would, it, it was you were happy to hear that Frontline still stands up, but what yeah. do you get a little sad that the formulas, particularly there's this one particular cliff that I had to retweet it the other day. It was um, the formula of the interview. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. It's point scoring. It's and it's, <laughs> and it's yes or no, and it's basically Steve Bisley talking. Uh, 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 Jeremy Sims. Yeah. Talk Steve Bisley talking Jeremy Sims through. People don't matter who they don't care who the other person is. Doesn't matter. All they want to see is Mike scoring points and the oh. other guy saying, "Did you or did you not say it?" <laughs> so you lied. That's that's all they want. What are your what are your thoughts when you think that it's still true today? Um, I get frustrated, but but I think that can happen on Q and A, which is a you know a ABC television show in Australia, which is supposed to be very revered. Mm. It's a rabble half the time. I don't, I don't get it really. Yeah. I, I just think that's just the way it is. It's never going to change. Yeah. So I'm not disappointed by it because I, I think we were still doing things for entertainment purposes, no. not to change the world. Yeah. We were just making telly. I remember when my mum and I were watching the news one night and they ran a, a it, was, oh, it was a horrible story. Some, mm. A child had passed away or, or, or something. Oh, no, no, no. It was a refugee story. Mm. Uh, 80. It made him in Ethiopia, made him in something like that. And it was a slow motion shot of a kid walking down a dirt road and they put a music soundtrack violins behind it and mum said, that's it, it's not news anymore. Yes, okay. As soon as there's a soundtrack behind it. Totally, yeah. It's now no longer news. Right. It's it. It's over. Absolutely. And and, and the other night I was watched, I tuned into 60 Minutes, I can't mm. remember what I was, I wanted to watch something on it and I was like, this is just a current affair with a bigger orchestra. <laughs> it's not... You know, jacket over the shoulder, Negus, no. you know, going head to head with Idi Amin anymore. It's But I think there's um, definitely a market uh, for people who are very comfortable with that. 
That's yeah. how they want to get their news. Thank you. They they want to feel. But it's not news. It's not true. No, but That's it's still. I mean, look, I'm a talkback radio listener. Oh yes. What for fun? Yeah, because I just. Yeah, I, I, it's insane, and it's just people are still as ridiculous as ever, and with their beliefs. What? Well, here's what blows my mind, and I heard it the other day. Rush Limbaugh, who's mm. like the most right-winged, offensive yeah. <laughs> right-wing talkback, he calls Jerk. he calls Barack Obama a African American. Right? Yeah, it's pleasant, isn't it? Is that he's, he's that's a, respectful? Yeah, it's disgusting <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I heard that he went in, it was a, a station in Louisiana or Missouri or somewhere south. He went in and he was doing left-wing talkback. That was his <laughs> thing. He went in there, his first ever job, that was what he was passionate about. And they said, the numbers aren't working. He went, okay, switched. Okay. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. he knows it's a show. Yes, yes. And I would think the same was true for Stan Zamanik when he was still yes, alive. I agree. He knows it's a show. Yes. He knows it's for play. I'm sure Alan Jones does too. But the punters don't. No, and that's what frightens it the is hell frightening. Out of me. But but that's why it's why it is because there are still the disparity between punters. Mm. It's yeah abundantly clear, especially on talkback radio. Yeah, commercial talkback radio. That it sets the tone of so much mm. misinformation, and it's the same that happened with the Iraq War. You say something enough times that the lie becomes fact. Like Manifest. Yeah. Like we saw it last week with the Adam Goods thing. Like yes, it, there's so much stuff that didn't have anything to do with the truth, but because it got retweeted and spoken and respoken so many times, suddenly it's fact. So when you say the Adam's, Adam Goods thing, so I'm, I'm trying to imagine how we would uh, um, look at that yeah. and break that down. And my instinct is we are just going to observe how the media have projected it to us mm. and what's the bigger audience they're going to get. Basically, they just want something explosive. Mm. So whatever is the most outrageous thing that the way you could handle it. It would be great to set up an argument between a couple of leaders. Um, the forums also we used to use a bit where Mike Moore would conduct a forum and you just get the most right-wing, left-wing, extremist people in a room. That's what you would do. And there's plenty of um, guns for hire for all that stuff too. Plenty of people put their hands up to be on, as I said, Q&A, that show or other shows. They go, yep, what do you want me to bang on about? I'm there. How hard do you want me to go? Yeah. Wow. Mm. All good fun. It's all good fun until you realise a lot of the population don't realise that it's all good fun. It, it's being masked. It's being presented as news. And that's the thing. That... But I honestly don't think, I honestly don't, well, no, this is another big conversation. I won't, I won't, we won't get bogged down with the Adam Goods thing. Anyway, let's not. <laughs> okay. I thought it was, a, 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 it's a very, very, very big mirror that got held up to our society. This week. Yes, it did. For all kinds of reasons. It did. And it made a lot of people uncomfortable. Yes, a lot. Yeah, a lot of middle-aged white men. (laughs) (laughs) You you do a lot of work in, and this is the thing that that it was was Frontline Productions, which was the initial uh, Mm. uh, genesis of your television production. Working, it then became Working Dog Productions, which is without a doubt, one of the most, if not the most successful independent television produ- and film producers mm. that has ever happened in our country. It really, uh, maybe. That's very nice to say. Well, it's true. Maybe, maybe uh, Zapruder. Yep. Maybe Cordell. We've all been around for a while. Yeah. But you've, the things you've created have been cornerstones in our cultural 
They really have. There's not an Australian that hasn't seen the the, the, the castle. Oh, that's all right. There, yeah. It really is. All right. And there's, you know, there's, the, as we said, that the, the late show frontline, um, you know, what's it like that that thing that was the breakfast radio yeah. every morning at 4 a.m. <laughs> is now an office that you all still create in? Uh, so because nothing really has changed really from those days, we're in this for, physically. We're in the same office that we've been in for about twenty years. Wow, which I'm quite sure has asbestos walls. I mean, it's really maybe that's where the funny. <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> we're all radioactive. It's in. It's across. The, I can probably see it from here, yeah. from this, and it's a really bad old building. But and with a we we call it the boardroom, and it's just literally panels up of, on the walls. A whiteboard. There's a routine. There's just a, a friendship. There's something that keeps going on. Our lifestyles haven't changed. Our families haven't changed, and it's just I, I think a joy. I, I've backed out of it because I have lots of kids at home, and I sort of have to be full time mum. But the guys still go in. It's the same bad food in the kitchen and fridge, which which means healthy. <laughs> they have nothing that's unhealthy in there. They're very Fit guys, they have good hours, but they all their minds work the whole time. They're sort of creating all the time. So I, I saw, I saw all, normal. I saw all of them last night. I saw, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Santo, Rob, Tom, Tom, and Michael. Yeah, you're absolutely right. For men in their late forties, early fifties, they're all very fit. Mm, they they don't have the. I'm the unfittest of everyone. <laughs> but they don't. They don't have the. I go to a lot the of paunchy, boozy. Paunch. Yeah. No. No. Because no. that's not ever been. They're not at TV executive land. Yeah. Mm, that's probably a good thing. It were very good. A very a very very good thing. Mm. Uh, you worked. Uh, you said you work as a, you, you have five kids, so mm. that's a lot of work. Mm. That's a lot of work. And uh, my mum had four boys. Mm. Um, but you also do a lot of casting when you can. Yes. For, yes, for working dog productions. Yeah. What What do you look for when you're casting? Um, first of all, I watch a lot of stuff. And I watch everything from I watch Neighbours, I watch Home and Away. Um, I, I mostly enjoy those shows as well. I like seeing the the new talent coming through. And I know that to get through the keeper of those casting worlds, they've got to be really good. Mm. Um, I, I look for, uh, it's a little bit, I, I feel like if I could be a judge on The Voice, <laughs> I just know it as soon as I see it. Uh-huh. You just can go bang, someone's got it or they haven't. Right. It generally comes from a person who decided when they were five, that's what they want to do. And I, there's very few people I've seen that I've cast that it's, oh, I never thought about acting ever before in my life. It's, Yeah. This is the only thing I ever want to do. And that comes through somehow to me. I always used to say that on, on Idol when mm-hmm. I saw it's rare that you see 5,000 people standing in line all wanting the same thing. Yes, yes, yes. You, and you can't do it to be no. famous. And we could walk, I could, and James could do mm-hmm. it too. Mm-hmm. James could do it too. We would walk down the, the, the line in the morning before we opened the gates at 7 in the morning, mm-hmm. 7.30 in the morning with a camera crew. And you could just walk down the line and go, no, 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 wow. no. So even you. physically before you even heard them. The look in their eye. Yeah, I, I think that's true. See the look in their I eye. I can tell. And how they're presenting themselves, yep. how they. Absolutely. I mean, every person who I've ever cast 
has been totally professional or, you know, and I, I love it if somebody's come from Neighbours or mm. Home and Away or Soapy because you go, oh, my God, the hours you mm. work. Ruthless. You can't stuff that up no. either or poof, you're you gone. You get two takes if you're lucky. Absolutely. On Moving on. Yes. Like, tough, 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 tough luck. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. I've just done, I've done something in House Husbands. I've, I've done a small sort of little role um, doing some return to actoring first time since Frontline. And, wow, they just, you know, it, it's all about the look is amazing but the act, you've just got to assume everybody knows what they're doing. Mm. You've got to get that take. Don't frig around with it. Got to know your lines. Don't be stupid about this. Yeah. This is, you know, grown-up stuff now. You, I'm, I'm one of four boys. You've mm. got four. Mm. Um, <laughs> the oldest is how old? Um, Twelve. Right. Twelve, eleven, eight and eight. Oh, God. <laughs> so there was a point where there was three of us in the house going through puberty at the same time. Okay. I don't know if you're prepared for the smell. I'm, I I think I might – I've worked out the room that is the right room for them all to be – because the boys, two boys and two boys share. I'm, I'm already picking up on that. So I just don't enter. Is right. that the best thing to do? They have to make their beds. Yeah. Um, they have to bring out their laundry because, and I'm sort of saying, yeah, I'm not doing that now. Yeah. That's the older time. Hasn't hit me with the little ones yet. Right. Yeah, and is. and when it comes to. So on top of that, I have a hormonal 14-year-old girl. Oh, God. Yeah. So. Oh, and, and me. <laughs> so when I was 14, when I was 15, and she did the same thing to my older brother, when I was 15, my mum, well, she ran an STD clinic. So when I was 15, my mum gave me a box of condoms. Wow. She goes, look. Yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm up on that. I, I feel yeah. that that's um, my duty mm. and I would like to drum that on. Well, yeah, and also, uh, earlier our discussion about porn, I think, it's, yeah. you really, you just got it. But it's just, you just got it. It's coy like, about it. No, no. Just grow up. Girls don't like semen in their eye. They just. Wow. Generally, you might see it all the time no, in porn. They don't. You might see it all the time in porn. No. And trust me, and I know this from my experience is that, we can be as uh, as diligent as we possibly can, but there's always a kid at school who goes, hey, well, watch this, and passes their phone over. Of course. So we can of course, put all yes. the guards up. Yep. They're going to see it. They're going to see it. And, you know, the statistics tell me absolutely that probably a couple have already have seen it because Without it's – Without a doubt. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm up for talking about, as I say, I like the open discussion I have and I love it when my boys do come and say, can I talk to you about this? And I go – Yep, I say, you know what, it's really bad. If it happens again and this dude is really wants to shock you, just try and be a bit cool about it, shrug your shoulders and go, yep, and then just move on. I, I don't know what else to say except, look, I can't say, look away. Yeah. <laughs> except that it's all fake and everyone's on drugs. Well, they're not on drugs. <laughs> then the boys are on Vicodin. Oh, not Vicodin. No, um, I have to the, say the girls are, I say it's the, the girls are prisoners. That's how I'm frightening my children. Like, the girls are oh, kept prisoners. Oh, right. How about... <laughs> Let's reframe, do a bit of this, Let's do a bit of reframing. Mm. When you have to have that uncomfortable conversation, mm. you are giving a gift to the 16 or 17-year-old girl that your son's going to be with. I have no doubt about that. So think of her. I do. Think of the gift you're giving her. I do. By her by first experience with a, with a boy. I just want a res respectful, yeah. nice-mannered yeah. kids. Yeah. But, you know, that's really, that takes um, hands-on parenting. Mm. It's 
that's something that, you know, I've decided and we both have decided it's hard work but you've got to be there. Porn is, it's like an, porn is to actual sex what um, uh, an action movie is to actual fist fighting. There you go. That's a great analogy. All right, to a, yeah. like a Jason Statham transporter. Yeah. Like fist fights don't last that long That's and they right. don't look like that. Two hits and you're down. But isn't, even the physiology of people in porn, it's just, you know, no, no. that's changed everything for girls as yep. well, which Women is don't, disturbing. Bodies don't look like that, but it's stunt mm. sex. It's, mm. it's designed to look good for a camera. Mm. It's not what intimacy looks like. What a business. And, but, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's out there. You've been, oh, let's, let, we've been at this for a while, so okay. uh, two more questions. Yep. Um, you've been observing uh, surgically observing, like very stringently observing Australian culture to make fun of it for a very long time. What have you seen change since you started this? Ah, so making fun of Australian culture feels mean. Is it satiring uh, Australian culture? Yes, yes. Using um, using comedy to point out the <laughs> hilarity all right, of yes. what. So no, let and me people who that. are people who are stuck in their ways, um, and and yes, which I think we see as I talk. I speak of people on talk about radio. Yeah. Um, the rednecky world. It, it sounds pretentious to make fun of people because if people have their beliefs. I don't want to make fun of all that, because left wing people have as much annoying you know, habitual oh, the banging on. The only ones that can make good <laughs> vegan food can't run a restaurant. There you go. There you go. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so Hippies. Oh, look, young people, old people. <laughs> I mean, like I, I get very uptight when I see shots of parliament uh, and I just see the stacking behind Tony Abbott of the only four women that are currently in, in the, the shot. In the shot. In the shot, They're yeah. all behind him. Yeah. And it infuriates me because the wide shot shows that's all the chicks there are and yeah. it's blokes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so many things sort of, yeah, I, I think the world is set up to be amused by the, the music industry, the, the film industry, everything. And, again, it's that topical, you know. Mm. But, you know, Australians are great because we laugh at a lot of stuff that a lot of countries probably don't, I think. Australians love a laugh. Mm. They and and they do sort of, you know, um that did we mention the tall poppy syndrome? I don't think Yeah, we did. We were talking right. about Russell. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know how prevalent that is now, really, because I think I think we're pretty happy when people do well. It'd be nice if it was yeah, I'd actually like to celebrate think so. it. It'd be nice if we treated everyone like they were the the, the one the blood is low cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But we're still very um as long as when you do well. You just don't get up yourself. <laughs> so last question, what kind of Australia do you want your kids to grow up into? Mm. Okay. Um, easily, I, I think as a female, I, I really want equality on every level to be there. I'm even banging on at the moment because the word mankind is bugging me. Uh, why is it called ma- Why is it mankind? I... I want my daughter to feel that she has exactly the same opportunities as her brothers. I want her to be paid the same way that she should be paid. Um, I want I want my kids to be kind and understand why kindness is so important. And I would like Australia actually in the big picture to be a kinder place. 
the potential is absolutely there because I, I think as a nation, I think we're pretty good, but we're just going through a few weird dips when it comes. And the irony is we're made up of so many different cultures on immigration and our Aboriginal community. That's a worry. So that has to really change. I'm so grateful that you said yes to this. Oh, I'm wrapped. I'm grateful you asked me. Thank you. I'm such a fan. Oh. And honestly, I cannot wait to see you again on the telly. Wednesday night. Fantastic. <laughs> For our family viewing show. I'm so happy. I'm going to take your photo over there, all right? Great. Okay, cool. Okay. Thank you. There you go. That's Jane Kennedy. Find her on Twitter at Jane underscore L underscore Kennedy. She's lovely. And just lovely. I think you're all going to want her to be your best friend. <laughs> After hearing that. Because she's just the coolest. The coolest. Um, and, you know, if I had any kind of career goals, it'd be to form something like Working Dog. It'd be to create, you know, I don't know, 15 years too late, but it'd be to create something where, you know, there's a core office and there's like, you know, a core group of people and we just crank out stuff that just makes us laugh. And what she said in there that was really, really hit me was that if you do it for money, you do it for the wrong reasons. You've got to do it because you love it. And if you get paid for it, that's great. So thanks so much for being with me today. You know, whether you know it or not, you've made this day, this difficult day for me, a little less difficult. So thank you very much. And until I talk to you next week when I'll be in Los Angeles, sleep well and dream of beautiful beautiful things. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.